Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Oh, yes, delivery. Gendouzi's header. And the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. A goal back. Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. Hello and welcome to Le Bourgeois, your official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast after what has, I'm afraid to say, been a terrible week following the tragic passing of our good friend David Crossan. As most of you, the listeners, will know, Dave was a regular contributor to the podcast, an integral member of our team, and above all, a great, great friend to me, to Ian Holyman, Robbie Thompson, Andy Scott, Armel Tangi, and so many more people. Dave was taken away from us far too soon at the age of 43 and in very sudden, unexpected circumstances. So do please bear with us if we're not quite as bright and perky as usual. Our thoughts go out in particular to Dave's parents, to his sister Deborah and his partner Hélène. And we can't begin to imagine what they are going through right now. Dave has been a mate of mine for 20 years, ever since I moved to Paris in 2002 to work for Eurosport where he was already a commentator for the news channel. He was an incredibly kind man, blessed with intelligence and extraordinary knowledge of so many subjects, not just French football. He was fun. He was funny. He was always fantastic company. So we are going to be analysing today the uh, Ligue 1 action. We've had a a busy weekend in round uh, 23, but I'm going to bring in the guys. First of all, we've got a full house this morning because everybody... Wanted to be present. We're sticking together at this very difficult time. So welcome along, Robbie, Ian, Armel and Andy. Um, Robbie, you moved to Paris uh, before I did. You've known David. You've known him for even longer than me. And I I know that you're you're suffering a lot as well at the moment. Yeah, it's... um... Listening to your talk there, Matt, it's still unbelievable. It's, It's... It's crazy. Can't seem to get my head around it. It was 2000 when I met Dave. Um, He was just a young man, 21 years of age. Um, Had been out of uni not long. This was his first job at Eurosport. Um, And I'd just been thinking over the last few days, what can we say, what can we say, what can we say about Dave, about what a legend he was. And it's so many different aspects of him and some funny some touching some you know serious is he he was so intelligent all 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 the the compliments we can give him one curious thing about dave was he was such an englishman and i say that as an australian <laughs> he was he was he was reserved um conservative in a in a, in the way he held himself in 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 his behavior and yet such a radical in terms of his music he'd always send me messages saying there's a gig on there's Nick Cave's coming we'd go and see Nick Cave concerts together he was he was left of center in a political sense he was he he, he was a radical conservative in 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 many respects and and such an interesting guy so knowledgeable and the one thing about dave as someone that worked with him for for 22 years dependable rock solid just a just a rock solid guy someone you could and for everything call when you needed someone to talk to call about work call about going out for a drink just just a rock solid guy so i hope the people that listen to him on league 1 commentary We've we've had messages to the to the pod about it, and I know a lot of people love listening to him. But just know that that he was all the things you when you listen to that voice, that calm, beautiful voice. That he was just a rock solid guy. That's all. That's what I would say. Well said. Very well said, um, Robbie. Um, Andy Scott's with us. Andy's in Cameroon. Um, I guess. You've had a very short night, Andy, as is often the case when you come on the pod on, on, on Monday mornings. I guess it's been weird for you being so far 
away from it. I mean, look, it's been super weird for us as well. Uh, I don't know what difference it makes, but uh, Andy, it must feel very unbelievable for you as well. Yeah, completely, Matt. It, it does does feel very strange. I suspect it won't <clears throat> it won't really hit home for me until until I get home to to Paris, which is due to be. Um, this is Monday morning. It's due to be in the early hours of, of, of Tuesday that I get back home and, and it'll probably sink in then. Uh, I mean, obviously, in a way, there's not too much more that I can add to what Robbie has said because Robbie summed it up brilliantly. But, you know, I mean, I first met Dave at the time when he was working for France 24, uh, the news channel, and that was about, what, 2008? Obviously, a very, very different uh, period in his professional life when he was uh, busy following Nicolas Sarkozy um, around the world and and, um, and on the political beat. And then he quickly got back involved in football. And of course, like all of you, Dave became, you know, Dave was a fantastic colleague to me and, and became a, a, a good friend as well. And, and obviously it's, yeah, it's, it's very strange to see him go. I just think of the the, the many, many good memories that, that, that we all have of Dave and, you know, whether that be um, in, a, in a professional sense, working with him. I know he was involved in the Africa Cup of Nations, commentating some of the games in the earlier stages of the competition. And um, he was a great commentator and, and great everything that he did. But, you know, it wasn't just that. It was all the other things that we got to do together. And, and you know, I always, you know, will always cherish the, the lunches that we had in places like Monaco and Lyon before Champions League games and and you know that will always be be a fond memory for me. But uh, yeah, I, in a way, I'm I'm still struggling for the words. You know, six days on um, to really sum up how I feel. But it, it, I think yeah, I think it won't really hit home until until I get back to France. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I honestly don't know what to say. But um, and it still hasn't, and I don't think it will hit home. I, I even I stayed with Dave a lot. It was our joke. It was a Chateau Crossan in the view of the Eiffel Tower in the uh, in the fifteenth uh, arrondissement of Paris, as I live, kind of far away, as you guys know. And um, yeah, I was in Monaco this weekend, uh, which was particularly difficult because it's a place that Dave liked, loved going a lot. Would often send me pictures uh, where uh, where I'd been previously as well, with the the view over the Cap d'Ail. Yachts, which is uh, what I had at the weekend, which is the, the the hotel right next to the the stadium. Other hotels are definitely available in Monaco, but none of them are quite as good as that one. And um, yeah, that's he's going to to say he's going to be missed is is going to be is is a huge understatement. Thank you, Ian. I know. Yeah, I know you're struggling. We're all you know. It's 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 very tough. Armel. Um, Armel, you're 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 a younger member of the team, but you know you got to know Dave really well. Um, I don't know how many years it's been that you've been in Paris. Four years now, is it? Oh, more than that, Matt. Yeah, it's 2015. So <laughs> been been coming on seven, but um, but Dave Dave was there since my very first weekend in Paris. Always welcoming and and knowledgeable, and as Robbie said, dependable. And I think back to a time when I was commentating in it. An Angers against Saint-Étienne game on a Sunday afternoon and um, midway through the second half I could feel that I was about to be sick and just to that moment I turned around and look out at the little window behind my commentary cabin commentary booth and who was there Dave so I opened the door Dave I can't finish the game and he just went straight on and commentated half an hour of a game before doing his own game uh, for me who represents the fella but dependable um you can count on him to do the job where we, when he's prepared for something else and always finding it funny afterwards. So it'll be greatly missed on my part as well, not just for stepping in when I need to be sick. He was, yeah, you're right. Dependable, uh, unbelievably reassuring, um, non, non-football related anecdote, just, just quickly. Because for me, it, it's what sums up, Dave. I had... Um, a really horrible experience when my first child was born and she had a big health scare just after she was born and my mum was on the Eurostar coming to Paris she didn't have a phone or it didn't work in France I, I don't know and I just didn't know what to do I was like I can't leave my wife and my kid so you know in those circumstances you you phone Dave it's just what you did <laughs> and um, I phoned Dave Dave went to Guardian North found my mum and uh, thankfully, my daughter was fine. And but yeah, he, he just sorted things out, and he was just the best mate 
that you could hope for. And he also loved Lee Gunn. So we're going to we're going to talk about Lee Gunn because, you know, if Dave was listening to us now, he'd be thinking, come on, guys, get on with it. People want to hear about what's what's happening in the football. So, um, Dave, we're going to talk about Lee Gunn, which was which was, you know, one of the subjects that you loved and, and knew so much about. So um, thanks, guys. And thank you, listeners, for, for you know, for, for bearing with us. Um, we're going to we're going to talk about the round 23 action. I was I was in Lille. Um for a really big game, it was the the defending champions. Dave loved <laughs> he loved that that title winning campaign from from Lille last season. Um, he loved Burak Yilmaz, who who he, he wanted to see at Newcastle. I know he wanted that that big bulldozer. He's got Chris Wood instead, um, but Burak wasn't there. He was he was injured. We had Hatem Ben Arfa was making his first start for Lille. They were playing Paris Saint Germain, and here's a bit of commentary of, of what happened at the Stade Pierre Mauroy. All good skills from Nuno Mendes. He's gone past Zeki Celik. He's crossed. Oh, what a mistake! What a mistake from Ivo Garbic, who has presented a goal to Paris Saint-Germain and to Danilo Pereira. What a horrible moment for the Croatian goalkeeper. Drop of the shoulder from Ben Arfa. Oh, and he's going again. Good skills from Atem Ben Arfa, and the shot is in! Lille draw level, thanks to some Ben Arfa brilliance. It's Sven Botman who has hooked the ball in. And Le Dog have got themselves on level terms. And perhaps the stand Pierre Bourgois has another favourite. He's got defending to do here as the ball is whipped in. It's been missed by the goalkeeper. And it's been turned home by Prestel Kimpembe. Well, it's another howler from Gerbic, but PSG... Having been uh, pegged back moments earlier, have their noses in front. Given away by Andre. Lille uh, getting themselves in trouble here. Mbappe now running at Jose Font. Mbappe still going. Botman though, with the challenge. Messi, Messi in the clear. And Lionel Messi has scored his second goal in Liga Uber Eats. He's taken advantage of another defensive lapse. And just chipped the ball over Ivo Gerbic. Paris Saint-Germain 3-1 up in the first half. Draxa still going though. He's put Goodmanson on the ground. Draxa with the cutback. Oh, what a save from Gerbic. That was outstanding from the Croatian. Danilo with the shot. Oh, and Danilo has put it in. Well, the ball took a deflection. Ivo Gerbic can't believe it. Verratti. Mbappe lines one up and Mbappe picks out the top corner. Paris Saint-Germain get their fifth of the night. The inevitable goal from Mbappe and what a goal it was. Yeah, so uh, a 5-1 drubbing. Um, something of a of a statement score, really, um, Robbie. Paris Saint-Germain was simply too good for Lille, but... <laughs> You know, from from my point of view, and I'm coming from a very neutral perspective, I did expect more from Lille. And those mistakes in the first half, particularly from Ivo Gerbic, it just, you know, you can't make mistakes like that against PSG and and be competitive. And Jocelyn Gorvanek um, was absolutely fuming after the game um, because because Lille made it so much easier as well for for PSG, Rob, without taking too much away from PSG's strong performance. Yeah, I, I, I think obviously the two mistakes from the Lille goalkeeper were shocking. They came at terrible times in the game when Lille were 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 matching PSG when they were trying to play play football like PSG. The first one, ten minutes in, is just a, a terrible, terrible mistake because it 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 comes early in the game. Not only does it give the league leaders the lead, aside with the, the probably the best quality squad. French football, nearly world football, has ever seen. You give them a lead that early, even if they weren't on the pitch uh, last night. Not all of them. Um, and then there was no way back. One thing I would say: in there was so much billing of this match being the the lead up, the rehearsal for the Champions League, for Lille against Chelsea, for Paris against Real Madrid. That's worrying for Lille because they've been in good form and uh, and mistakes like that. Maybe it was a little pre-Champions League nerves, you know, coming off the international break. That may have been a factor as well. Um, but I liked what I saw from PSG and I liked the last couple of weeks 
uh, there's been so much talk, so much criticism of Pochettino, so much criticism of the team, how they're playing. Um, Marco Verratti has, is just looking incredible at the moment, getting stronger and stronger. Um, Kylian Mbappe is outstanding and judging by comments he said after the game as well. Maybe those that, that said he was already signed for Real Madrid may have to rethink. Maybe that's going to change on depending on what happens in the in the next month or so with that Champions League tie. But it was a, a very good walking through your paces for PSG, who I thought got stronger and stronger, who looked very good. Yes, there were mistakes from Lille. Yes, Lille dropped their bundle in the second half. But PSG did look strong. Robbie, you mentioned the criticism, um, which is it's slightly surprising maybe considering they got 56 points from 23 games. They are 13 points clear of Nice, who were beaten by, by Clermont at home. Uh, shock result on uh, on on Sunday. I I put that to Maurizio Pochettino after the game. I had a, a chance to to chat to PSG's Argentine coach, and um, yeah, let's uh, let's listen to what Poch had to say about the result and about the criticism PSG have been getting. Coach, congratulations for this brilliant victory. You've come to the de- defending champions. You've won five one. It feels like a real statement from PSG tonight. I think it was a very good victory. Very good performance. So pleased for the player. Um, they deserve the credit. Um, yes, I think it was a very, very good performance. Uh, again, a very good team like Lille in a very good, difficult uh, stadium. Always is about to, to congratulate the player because they uh, made very good, good, good performance. Those players are now 13 points clear at the top of the table. How important is it before the Champions League restarts to have that that cushion? I think it's really, really important to get the feeling that we got today. Uh, um, always when you are happy and you play well, always it's is easier to prepare the, the thing that came uh, or you, you have ahead. I think uh, we have big things uh, to play and it's important to, to have this feeling to prepare this, this type of game. There's been some criticism this season about the style. On Monday against Nice there was criticism because you went out. Do you feel like you've quietened some people tonight? We know what uh, uh, who we are um, we know very well what we need to do when you are in Paris Saint-Germain you need to accept the, the, the people won't talk and I don't care I don't really care I care about my player my club and my fans and we try to deliver uh, uh, the best as possible that we can um, step by step I think this, uh, this is a team that was built from summer than today with many circumstances. It's difficult to explain the circumstances. I don't care to explain or not. Uh, we are going to work to try to deliver what we want. Armel, um, Maurizio Pochettino saying that they don't care. He doesn't care about the criticism. He just wants to do what's right for the PSG fans and, and the players. Do you feel there might be a bit of a siege mentality building at PSG that, you know, perhaps the criticism that, that they are getting, Pochettino could use that? and say to the players, come on, let's prove everybody wrong. I imagine that'd be the right way of digesting it. Um, Let's hope he can get that across to the players for the sake of PSG's season, other than domestically. I think they're, what, 13 points clear now at the top, so that's probably not too much of a worry now for them. But if they can channel the criticism and turn it into something positive, which is something I feel... Paris have always struggled with in, in past years. If Poch becomes the man to do that, then regardless of if his strikers run less than they did for Laurent Blanc, if strikers run less than they did for Carlo Ancelotti, then people re- remember the fact that he managed to motivate this team of stars and get them to win things. We've got what now? Just just Ren ahead of Real Madrid. So it's a that'll be another big test for them this Friday night, I think it is. And and yeah, well, let's 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 hope that um, that more more players like that can can step up. What a what a few weeks it's been for Danilo Pereira getting on the score sheet all the time, and that's the sort of performances that Paris need more of. From from a Lille point of view, um, Ian, you know, a worrying result. Obviously, goalkeeping mistakes. Um, if there is a positive, I would say it was Hatem Benarfa's performance. He he basically. Um, played instead of Burak, so was playing as a sort of second forward behind Jonathan David. And 
considering he's hardly played for for seven months or so, he looks in good shape and uh, you know brilliant little dribble to to set up Botman for the for the equalising goal and um, and yeah and also you know Hatem was one of Dave's favourites, wasn't he? He was um, Dave loved the uh, a lot of these Frenchies who who did so well at at Newcastle. Uh, he is a sort of guy who can who can get you off off your seat. Um, what do you think, Ian? Is he going to be a success? <laughs> Let's say he may have had a point to prove, mightn't he? I mean, uh, there's, there was an interesting post-match post-match stat that he's been involved in six goals now against Paris against Paris Saint-Germain in Ligue 1, and he's only done better against Rennes. Um, well, two of the two of the many many teams that he's that he's played against, and, and particularly his. His uh, time at Paris Saint-Germain didn't end well, did it? Uh, and, and very, I think, unfairly, it, ha- it has to be said. I thought it was interesting that uh, Benjamin Andre came out in the press conference. He's not really he's not really the sort of guy to overstate things, but he said he was really impressed with Ben Arthur in training, that he's still got that. He's still, what's interesting about Ben Arthur, he's still got that burst of pace over the, over the two, the three yards at the start to beat the man. And yeah, I mean, he's he's an absolutely brilliant player, and and yeah, he, I mean, I'm sure he's earned quite a lot of money, and he's played for some great clubs, and he's won a few things, but he should have done so much better, shouldn't he? There was one thing, Ian, just before we continue the Ben Arthur chat, thinking of things that were interesting, was your comments about Presnel Kimpembe in last weekend's pod. I think he uh, must have listened as well, clearly heard the that you think he should be dropped, that he's not worth it in the team. He got his first ever league on goal. Wasn't that beautiful? After 140 yeah, matches, gets a kick up the backside from Ian Holyman, and there he is on the score sheet. Yeah, <laughs> he was I'm bloody good as well. He was I'm bloody taking all good. the credit. He was, you know, Jonathan, Jonathan. Listen, Jonathan David didn't get a kick. I mean, you know, we know we know how good Marquinhos is, but Kimpembe as well. I mean, he was he 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 was superb. And um, yeah, I I I I thought maybe the boys were a bit harsh on Kimpembe because not not just the player he is. But what he represents as well as a as the homegrown kid. But I know, look, you know, likewise we are talking about Sergio Ramos. If we, you know, if we're talking about straight competition, it's not, it's not, it's not easy, is it? It's not easy. Um, just yeah, Ben Arthur. I, I thought it was a good yeah. point because he does have that burst. Um, but I was I was impressed by a little fella um, for PSG as well. Who's who's got that burst? I thought yeah, I thought Messi. You know, of course, he's. It's not Messi at his best, but it, it was Messi getting into some kind of form that could do damage. I think in the Champions League, and uh, you know, we'll have to see. Real Madrid's going to be a, a different proposition, but I thought it was interesting. I thought Mbappe and uh, and Messi look for each other all the time, um, and uh, and that has to be good news. I just wanted to say that I was at the I was at the game against Nice on Monday, and um, that wasn't interesting. PSG were toothless. Um, they were really, really poor, and um, I, I don't know if Robbie will agree, but I thought they were. They had a lot of possession, and they were they sort of looked looked lively, and then got to the final third and went, "Hang on, what, what are we supposed to do now?" Um, yes, yeah. it was a different t- a different team yesterday evening. I think that was in, it, that response last night was definitely a response to what happened on Monday, where they. They really struggled to to create anything. I mean, they had Martin Bulke in goal, who's on loan from PSG, who made the penalty saves. Of course, I mean, it's always like that, isn't it? But yeah, but he didn't have a whole really. lot to do, did he? No, before he then, no. there's one he, common he, he denominator didn't. between a, a Lille last year and a Nice this year, isn't there? Christoph, yes. Mm. Although, although defeat at home again <laughs> against Clermont, Christoph. Yeah, however, Christoph has. Has got a problem. Uh, you're listening to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. We're going to be talking about Marseille. Uh, we're going to be talking about Monaco. We're going to be talking about Rennes. We also have a shirt up for grabs. We're going to have the results of our Deja Who. So do stay tuned. But I'm going to bring Andy Scott in because, Andy, um, your phone bill is going to be get, getting really, really high and we haven't even heard from you yet. You're in Cameroon. <laughs> um, you've had a short night. Tell us a bit about the final, Senegal and, uh, and Egypt in particular. Um with regards our our league participants how was it all yeah i'll be i'll be putting the um i'll be putting the bill through through league on expenses um <laughs> yeah yeah well listen i suppose I, obviously i knew you were going to ask me this question and, and i was thinking what am i going to say i think I, i'm i'm not going to be very kind i don't think it's been a great tournament 
Uh, I know that some of you have, 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 have covered it in, in patches, but um, it's, it's not been a great tournament. There have been, um, obviously it's been marred by events off the field, the, the tragedy at the Olembe Stadium um, before the last 16 game between Cameroon and the Comoros, which, which left eight people dead in a crush and 38 people injured as well. It's impossible to, to, to look beyond that, really, when you talk about the the tournament. Of course, the tournament carried on and... Um, it got a very disappointing final. Um, that's what happens when, when Carlos Queiroz's Egypt are involved. That's the third game in the knockout stages they've played in, which has finished nil-nil and gone to penalties. And also, in the Africa Cup of Nations, this is, this is a bit of a habit. In the last um, 11 finals, five of them have finished nil-nil at the end of extra time and been decided on penalties. So this is often what happens at the Cup of Nations. But I think from a, from a sort of French football perspective, Ligue 1 viewpoint, it's good to see Senegal win the trophy because, um, first of all, of course, there's a, there's a, a large Senegalese community in France. I know that many people um, in different parts of France will have been celebrating last night that victory for Senegal. And there are a number of players in that Senegal team who were born and brought up in France. Um, Edouard Mendy, Khalidou Koulibaly, Abdou Diallo, Bounassar, um, a number of other players who came from Senegal to play in France, Idrissa Gana Gay, one of them, of course. So you had the two Paris Saint-Germain players, Diallo and Gay, in that team. And, and you know, I think in, in that sense, it's good that Senegal won the trophy because I think from when you look at it from Europe or perhaps from Australia, where Robbie is, you see, you see the teams at the Cup of Nations. I mean, Senegal have got the most stardust. They've got the most players playing for big... European clubs, uh, some of the names that I just mentioned, but then of course there is Sadio Mane as well, who, who scored the winning penalty after missing a penalty early in the 90 minutes. So on that, from that point of view, it's I think um, African football has has the has a worthy champion. They're the top-ranked African national team. They've got some fabulous players, and um, yeah, I think that on the whole, they are probably worthy winners of the trophy. I think um, it's just been the, the the football has maybe not quite been what we would have liked it to be. But hey, there's going to be another Cup of Nations in 18 months, so not to worry. We'll be off to the Ivory Coast in June and July of, uh, of next year when the players will be absolutely shattered at the end of a season, which also has a World Cup in it. So goodness only knows what that's going to be like. And of course, of course, the Ivory Coast, is it's the, it's the rainy season in, in the Ivory Coast in, in um, June and then it sort of finishes in July. So yeah. Goodness knows what that's going to be like, <laughs> Andy. Andy, sounds like sounds like you're looking forward to to coming home, mate. But um, I am. Be dancing. I am. I am lo- yeah. There'll be, I was yeah, going to say they'll be da- they'll be dancing <laughs> in the streets of uh, they'll be dancing in the streets of Metz tonight, and and not because of the nil nil draw with Trois at, at, at no. the weekend. They've got but, that, about half their team is is Senegalese at Metz. But give us give us one or two names, Andy, of 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 league on players who who did who did well with Senegal. Uh, well, in the Senegal team, obviously uh, Abdou Diallo was, um, who, who's a very, a, a relatively recent addition to the Senegal national team, a player of Senegalese heritage. He's come in and he's become a partner to Khalidou Koulibaly, who's the captain in the centre of that defence, playing under Aliou Cisse, of course, who, um, although he was born in Senegal, moved to France uh, when he was very young and ended up playing for Paris Saint-Germain himself. Um, Diallo's done very well, took one of the penalties in the shootout last night. And in front of them, Idrissa Ganagé, who, you know, we all know, I think he's a fantastic player, you know, sort of roving midfielder. He's got, he's got a bit of everything, really, in midfield, and, and he's a very important player in that Senegal team. I have to say that um, one of the players that really caught my eye was actually a Ligue 2 player, Saliou Cisse, at left-back, who plays for, plays for Nancy. He had a very good tournament and uh, won the penalty, for example, at the beginning of the game last night, which, which Sadio Mane had saved. Um, I'm, I'm just I'm just looking at my notes and just trying to think of any of the other current league on base players who who played a key part in that Senegal team. But you know it's mostly guys who've who've moved on. I mean Ismail Assar, Nampalis Mendy, and the lot and the like. But of course Pap Gay came off the bench, the Marseille midfielder. He started a couple of games in the tournament, and Bombadieng came off the bench as well. And actually, he's had a very impressive tournament. Scored a goal against Cape Verde in the last sixteen. Um, took a penalty last night which he smashed into the net emphatically and um, he's looking like a player of real promise another guy came off the bench Bull Idea who of course left Ligue 1 last summer and who uh, Robbie was a big fan of I mean they have so much strength in depth it is it is incredible when you compare them to the Egyptians who from a European perspective we're not as familiar with because so many of their players still play in Egypt but you know Senegal have got so much quality but you know uh, a last word on this, it's worth pointing out that Senegal and Egypt play each other again in the World Cup playoff 
at the end of March. So uh, only one of these two teams will make it to the tournament in Qatar. Only one of Mane and Salah will be there, which... Um, Although not a lot of people will miss uh, the way that Egypt have played in this tournament um, and would perhaps suggest that maybe they wouldn't be a big loss at the World Cup. Obviously, a player like Mohamed Salah, um, you, you want, you expect to see at the World Cup, but only one of them will be there. So that's going to be very interesting. But um, yeah, listen, I mean, yeah, I've been a bit down about the tournament, but Cameroon is a, is a fascinating country, um, some wonderful people. And um, it's been it's been a really enriching uh, few weeks, but it's a long tournament, and um, you know obviously the football season picks up again in just a couple of days. I don't know what the Senegal team are going to be doing. I think they're flying to Dakar for a quick sort of reception with the president and um, parade through the streets there, and then they'll all be back to their respective clubs. I imagine that you might well see Gay and Diallo possibly rested for PSG's next league game but um, then again they have to be in shape for the Real Madrid match coming up so um, yeah I think they might be back in action very quickly. Yes PSG's next league game is at home against Rennes. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about Rennes now I just want to say as well I'm really happy for Edouard Mendy because he seems to be such a great guy and seems to deserve this success that he's getting with you know it's unbelievable winning Champions League now the 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 Cup of Nations and uh, you know fair play to him he's an absolute brilliant goalkeeper used to play for Ren um, Armel Tangi commentated the uh, Breton derby between Ren and Brest on Sunday let's uh, listen to what happened in that one Labor's cross is a lovely one Burijo attacked it it'll come for Maya oh scoop towards Labor that is gorgeous from Stad Rene a lovely goal. And they take the lead in this Breton derby thanks to Gaetan Laborde. Camaldine Suleimana's corner. Loic Bade got the header to it. And Martin Terrier with the further header that Marco Bizot could not keep out. Hesitation there from everyone, including the official. And it's certainty that that ball crossed the line. And Martin Terrier. Looks to have sealed the points for the home side. So Armel Ren getting getting a win that they really needed because their form has been a bit patchy in in recent weeks. Uh, but three points keeps them uh, clinging to Strasbourg's coattails. Ren a fifth, Strasbourg fourth, a point above Ren. Strasbourg victorious as well. Dimitri Lienar scoring against Nantes. They won one nil. But tell us about Ren. Was it a, a convincing performance and a convincing win, Armel? They looked very, very good in the first half and um, were denied by a very good goalkeeper, Marco Bizot, who showed in the previous Brest game how good he was against Lille when Brest won. Um, had it not been for him, it probably been about four or five now at half-time to, to Ren. Um, Lovro Meyer is just a wonderful player to watch that left foot. I described it as a paintbrush in commentary. It, it, it really is. He's got something. You never really see right-footed players with that same touch. It's so delicate and so calm and composed. And when he just lobbed it up for the gate on Abbott to open the scoring, he didn't even look up. He just kind of knew there'd be someone coming in. It, it made for a lovely goal. Um, so Ren, yeah, they needed they needed that result. They'd had a four defeats in their last five, plus a six 0 win. So very strange, very strange run for them. And um, I always like to pick out a, a new young player, and there's never lack of good young players at Ren. But Wamid Omari, their a twenty one year old centre back. He looks brilliant, and he's keeping seventeen million euro summer signing Loic Bade out of the side currently. Um, so watch out for that name. He could have gone to the African Cup of Nations with the um, Comores Islands, said no, because I believe he thinks he might have a future in Bleu. And the way he's playing currently at 21 years old, that might not be such a far shout. Ian, um, I want to ask you a question about about Brest, who are 13th, 28 points. So you would think they're okay, sort of eight points uh, above the relegation zone. But their coach, Michel Desacarian, is clearly not happy that the club decided to allow Roman Fevre to to leave to to join Leon. I was reading this as a kind of suggestion that Brest feel they've probably got enough that they'll be okay this season and they'll survive without Roman Fevre. But it's not it's not not sending a good signal, is it, to 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 allow one of your top players to leave like that? 
I mean, look at look at it from Roman Fair's point of view. He's going to want to go, isn't he? I mean, there's not really much debate about that. Sorry, Armel. I know you're a big Breton fan, but he's going to want to go to Lyon. Um, and 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 Brest. What's the point in trying to keep a player, especially when you can get get a bit of cash for him? Yes, he tied together that sort of that front line with Mounier, who who was very much out of sorts, wasn't he yesterday? Armel and and, and got taken off at half time. Um, Cardona as well has has not really come good this season as he did last season. Honora seems to be a little bit below par as well. I mean, and and, and Fev was was a hugely creative talent, and I think he'd got five penalties as well. Which in Brest's case, if, if somebody who scores five pens, it's going to be quite significant for them. But they've brought in Yusuf Belayli. Um, I don't know. I didn't see too much of him yesterday, Armel. But I think Ren, like Armel said, Ren were, were so dominant. I thought um, they, with Maya, but not only Maya, they've got Laborde and they've got Terrier, three extremely complementary players. And I think I think Terrier is sort of the link between the two. He's not quite as silky as Maya, and he's not quite a, a, the brute force of, of of Laborde, but has a bit of everything. And um, they're looking very good. But I think I think Brest, yeah, they, sh- they should be okay, mostly because there's a good few teams or far worse than they are. Briefly on Belayli, I think I'm going to call him the influencer until he actually shows me what he can do on the pitch because yesterday <laughs> I was struggling to see what all the fuss is about. He tripled breast social media following when he signed and yeah. that's, that's but Did you see Armel? Did you see Michel Dezakarian's face when he was asked in a press conference about it? He said, did you know that Breast's Instagram following has gone from 70,000 to 250,000 or something? And he just looked so perplexed and it was like I'm not really I'm not really following social media so that's good but I'm more interested in what he can do on the pitch I I, I went to meet Michelle Desikarian three weeks ago and I can confirm that I would probably not have asked him a question about Instagram <laughs> it doesn't look like a big Insta- Instagram fan uh, we we have got Marseille chat coming up guys we've got um our, our competition as well but um, I'm going to bring in another commentary game because it, it was a big one on Saturday night. Um, two of the biggest teams in the league, Monaco and, and Leon, going head to head. Leon suggestions they turned the corner after a couple of one nil victories. Um, Monaco doing well under Philippe Clement. Ian Holyman uh, commentated this game from the stad. Louis de- Lovely player on the ball with some Pena in tight spaces. And here he goes again, gets it back from Diop. Dangerous ball in. And Lopez cannot keep it out. And of course, it had to be, didn't it? The former Leon man, Jean-Lucas, who gives Monaco the lead. Diop. And Ben Yedda, great opportunity. Oh, that's a gorgeous finish from Wissam Ben Yedda. It's been comic. And finally, Monaco have a second. So, Ian, um, Jean-Lucas scoring against his former team. Ben Yedda scoring uh, again. Um, Leon, though, bitterly disappointing. I mean, that they're, they're just not getting going under Peter Boss, are they? Well, I, I, I also did the game in midweek when the, 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 the rescheduled game that had been originally abandoned when Dimitri Payet got hit by a bottle between Leon and, and Marseille. And Leon were very were good. I wouldn't say they were very good, but they were good. And and the game really turned on Moussa Dembele coming off the bench and he scored a fabulous second goal. And and you thought, no, oh, okay, not, not bad, because Leon had a really much changed side, very experimental. Emerson basically playing as a left winger and and, and Malo Gusto and, and Enrique pushed up as wing backs. And I mean, it was almost, I was almost on the bench given that they had so few players. And um, Peter Bosch, kind of kept faith with most of that side, except he brought in Paqueta and he, he brought in Dembele for Ryan Shirky, who he, who he had to. Um, and and they were terrible. They were really terrible. And they were better at half-time when Dembele came on, Roman Fev came on and Shirky came on. He switched from a back three to a back four, even though he said that he hadn't been playing a back three in the first half, which is bizarre because, because he definitely was. And um, they looked far more. They looked far more solid. And Dumbelli was was pretty good on his debut. Uh, provided what you would expect him to provide. Looked like the Tonki and Dumbelli who left two years ago, uh, three years ago now, two and a half years ago, and um, didn't show at all in England. 
um, or, or very, very fleetingly. So they were poor. Monaco were, were good in the first half. They could have had very much like Bizot, Anthony Lopez safely on, on a number of occasions in the first half. Um, Monaco were, were were pretty solid. And I thought it was interesting before the game, Philippe Clement had said that he wasn't really uh, wanting his team to focus on results but on performance. He got the performance, but actually they really did need the result because if they had lost that one, I mean, Leon now are really struggling to get anywhere up near that top four and Monaco are, are, st- are still very much in the hunt. Um, Robbie, Jean-Michel Olas basically said Peter Boss has two months to turn it around. He said that at Christmas. Um, I was reading a tweet from from Vincent Deluc, who's um, a good good guy, good journalist, chief football writer for, for L'Equipe and very close to Leon. And he was basically fuming, saying what on earth, you know, what team has he picked for this game against Monaco? I wanted to believe in boss, but I've been so disappointed. He talks a good game, but the football's been rubbish. And he's basically saying it's not going to happen. Harsh? Well, that's, it's, I think a lot of people are starting to think that, aren't they? I mean, that we, I remember us talking at the start of the season and, and thinking, here we're going now with a, a a new modern coach arriving in in Ligue 1 who knows how to talk the talk. Everything that was coming out of his mouth sounded good. It hasn't happened, and yet they're still, I think, just four points off the what off the top four. They're not they're not out of it. And if if anything, I think that's what's saving their skin at the moment. They're 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 still within striking distance. Um, if they were really cut, and they have shown signs of of fighting back a little bit like you know they're just lacking consistency at the moment like Ian said a, a good result in midweek followed by a a disastrous result I saw the goals for for Monaco I think you know they're they're a side that have quality that were were firing blanks as well at the start of this season so if you want to be pragmatic about it and take it one match at a time I don't think this was necessarily a, an obvious three-pointer for Peter Bosch. I think it's it's difficult to say you're going to be sacked on a result against Monaco. But, you know, they've they've got to keep working. Both, everyone has to improve now. The pressure is on. The pressure is on everyone because there is a, a pack of teams who are chasing European football and people are going to miss out. I think you can, you might as well stick with Bosch now, no? Till the end of the season. You might as well. Um, don't know. Don't know, Robbie. Uh, Jean-Michel Olas is famous for, for, for keeping faith in coaches. Well, he, he was until he, until he sat Silvino after a couple of months. But, um, we're, you know, we'll have to watch this space. Leon are playing Nice next weekend. That's another, another huge one. Um, Deja Hu, time for our competition here on Le Bourgeois. Do rate us, uh, please. Do give us your feedback on the, uh, on the podcast platforms. Do subscribe to the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. And do participate in our Deja Who competition if you think you know the answer um, to the uh, conundrum that we bring. Ligue1podcast at gmail.com is our email. Um, so we had plenty of uh, plenty of answers coming in from last week's clue. Here is the clue um, that Robbie uh, concocted. Much travelled and much decorated, I retired from competitive football last year after six seasons in the fifth country of my professional odyssey. A charismatic leader, I won numerous championships at club level and uh, proudly wear a medal on the chest of my national team jersey. I am best remembered by Ligue 1 fans for orchestrating my one and only French club's return to the four, ending nearly two decades without silverware, picking up no fewer than six trophies and fully justifying my status as the club's most expensive transfer at that time. I share my nickname with another current Ligue 1 star, despite famously saying, I don't command anymore. So the prize for this, a Casper Dolberg shirt. Um, Robbie, on my notes, I've not written down the right answer. Was the right answer, was it Lucho Gonzalez? That's correct, Matt. Well done. No, I wasn't not give sure. anyone I, the right answer? It was and, and I El think Comandante. El Comandante, yeah. And who's the other league player called El Comandante? Dante. Well, Commandant. Yes. Ah, Comandante. Dante okay. at, at Nice. Yeah. Okay. Who is, well, who is the um, Commandant? Congratulations to everybody who who got it right. We have uh, selected a winner, and it's actually it's it's a a regular. A regular listener to Le Bourgeois. We often hear from him. Congratulations, Romuald Lorca. Is that right? Or Ilorca? Sorry, Rob. Lorca. Lorca. Lorca, uh, that's right. Yorca. Congratulations, Frenchie. <laughs> who, who, Frenchie, who used to live in Detroit, 
now lives in Evreux. And Robbie is suggesting Ian Holyman might be able to drop off the Casper Tolberg shirt. But otherwise, <laughs> we will post it to you, Robber World. Congratulations to you. Now, we, uh, Robbie and I were chatting uh, on WhatsApp about who to go for this week. We wanted to go for a Dave Crossan favourite. Um, so the clue, yeah, one of one of the clues to this to this one is that Dave absolutely loved him, and I, I remember uh, Dave just dreaming of this guy turning up at St James's Park. He didn't, um, but uh, anyway, here's here's the clue for this week's Deja Who and uh, Robbie. What's the prize this week? We've got a Jonathan David shirt. I think that would be nice, don't you think? Let's go, the, a, let's go. Let's go. A Jonathan David shirt a for, to JD. commemorate a special episode. It's a special episode, and he is uh, yeah, he is one of uh, one of the favourites on on Le Bourgeois. Here we go then. Uh, this week's déjà vu. While I won league titles in France and abroad, it was in cup competition, the European variety first and foremost, where I wove my most spectacular magic. I grew up playing for my hometown club before a then record transfer brought my first silverware and a fairy tale Champions League campaign that ultimately ended in heartbreak. I traded my nickname, Le Lutin Magique, for El Raton. And two years later, I got my hands on big ears on an historic night in the French capital. More National Cup success in Italy and back in France filled my trophy cabinet before I returned to where it all began and enjoyed the rare honour of playing in a stadium named after myself. There you go. It's not the easiest one. It's not the easiest one, but if you think you know the answer, please do email us, league1podcast at gmail.com, and you might win a Jonathan David Leal shirt. Um, Armel, Ian, Andy, easy for you guys or not? Easy. <laughs> Armel says easy. Andy, you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. You know, I'm just, I'm just thinking. <laughs> falling um, asleep. Not, 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 so e- <clears throat> not so easy. Yeah, not so easy. Not so easy. Put it in the, in the chat on the side, Armel. I'm curious. It's not easy. That's a tough one, I reckon. Listen, guys, we're going to get on to Marseille because our, okay, uh, our Marseille... Got it. He got follow- it. Um, yeah, Armel's, Armel's just put it, put it in the chat. Well done. You, you, even, you even spelt it right. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about Marseille because I know that our Marseille listeners are going to be thinking, whoa, we scored five just like PSG scored five. And they did. They put First five First time PSG shape. scored five under Pochettino. By the way, oh. okay, but move on, Robbie. We're, sorry, we were talking about Marseille. Just, <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I've said one thing about Marseille and you've cut in like, immediately to talk about PSG. Um, really good win this. Really important because they had the hammer blow of that defeat by by Leon in the last minute on on Tuesday night. And um, San Paolo was criticised quite a bit. I thought after that game, particularly with regards to the fact that he left Milik on the bench and he brought Milik on, I think in the 86th minute. And then Moussa Dembele scored scored the winner for Lyon. So he changed things a lot on Friday. He really did. Um, not just the personnel, but the formation as well. He played um, with Arkadius Milik um, up top. Uh, Cedric Bakombu wide left. Um, he had Cengiz Under on the bench, and it was it was Dimitri Payet, wasn't it? Playing uh, playing just behind behind those two. And you know what? I just thought, come on. You've got to start playing these these attackers because, you know, Marseille started this season in gung-ho fashion. We thought it's going to be brilliant. And they've just become, you know, very pragmatic. And the whole Dimitri Payet false nine thing for me wasn't really working. And I know Milik has had some pretty poor performances. But Andy, you're a fan. I know you're a big fan of, of Arkadius Milik. He scored a hat-trick, by the way, mm-hmm. in, the, in the 5-2 victory. Yeah. An amazing game. Andre went 2-0 up inside, I think, 14 minutes. Um, Marseille hit back really good finish from uh, Milik for the first goal after Genduzi set him up great shot from Gerson to make it 2-2 and then yeah in the second half Marseille were just too strong for them and surely this is the way to go Andy to to play these attacking players now that they have these you know these options with Bakumbu as well Cengiz Under who was electric when when he came on don't you agree? I do agree, yeah, and of course Bomba Dieng to come back in uh, in a few days' time. Yeah, I mean M- Milik is um, is a natural born goal scorer, fantastic finisher. 
Uh, the way in which he, the way in which he takes a penalty, is something I really enjoy watching. You know, he smashes the smashes the ball into the net. Um, it's really good for Marseille because because they, you know, they've obviously been hanging on in there in, in the top three this season, despite not scoring many goals. Uh, so hopefully that's a sign of um, of them getting back to the way in which they began the season. The first sort of three four weeks they were tremendous entertainment, and then they've been a bit of a snooze fest uh, for a lot of the time since then. But you know when you've got players like Milik and Bakambu. Uh, as a coach, Jorge Sampaoli has to find a way of getting them into the team and and working well together. And it's the end of the the false nine experiment with Dimitri Payet playing in that role. And instead, you've got you know two great finishers. I mean, Bakambu has has been away from Ligue 1 for a decade, and he's actually done very very well in in a lot of different um, environments in Turkey and Spain and China as well. So he's a, he's a proven goal scorer too. And uh, yeah, it augurs well for the weeks ahead. I mean, it's a terrific win for Marseille and. Um, you know, obviously, them getting back into second place too, with with Nice losing, it's uh, it's been a, it's been a fantastic weekend for them, and and let's see if Milik can really kick on now. But Ian Sam Pauli's got a problem with Milik, hasn't he? Like even after the game, he, he's rattled in a hat trick, absolutely brilliant, and his comments were quite negative. He he he's, Sam Pauli said, "Well, look, you know, he's not he's really been struggling. He's not been playing well, the lad." Um, so, you know, good for him to to have got three goals, but there wasn't a you know. We've got our talisman back and uh, we're, we're really happy. And the other thing I want to say, like Andy's saying he's got to find a way to get him in the team. I mean, he's been playing Luis Enrique, who's just hopeless. And I don't want to be too rude. <laughs> yeah, he's got a bit of speed, but I mean, he's hopeless. And, you, you know, it's not like they've got Messi and Bappe and all these people. You know, how do you get Milik in the team? You, you've got to play Milik, Ian. No? Yeah, that was very much the vibe that I got from Arkadiusz Milik on uh, Tuesday when he he came off the bench. I think it was about ten minutes to go. Luis Enrique had been had been playing, had been what was the word, Matt? Completely useless. Um, <laughs> He's young. Words. I don't want to be too and harsh. He's young, but yeah. he is young. He he. You don't want to be too harsh. Oh my God, I, I wouldn't have liked to have heard what you would have said if you'd been too harsh. That, but um, yeah, he, Milik came off the bench. He he. He had the face as if he'd just sat on a sort of very something very soft and wet, and um, was was not a happy boy, and um, it, and he was much happier uh, on on Friday evening. And I thought he was I thought he was very good, and I thought that the way he linked up uh, with Genduzi is pretty promising. And and just a note on Genduzi, we talked about him. Um, I think it was last week. Mm. Um, he is having a very very good season. He's having a very good season, and and I have to say as well, Saliba is having still a, an excellent season despite getting, you know, just tied in knots by Moussa Dembele uh, for the goal against Leon. But he had a brilliant game. Other than that, of course, it's 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 ironic. Strikers strikers have a terrible game, score one, they've had a good game. Defenders have a brilliant game, make one mistake or, or get done. I mean, he just got done by a bit of skill, and, he had, and he's he's had a poor game. But Saliba and Gendouzi are, are, are really performing excellently for 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 Marseille and, and and with Milik up front they I think they do look a, a much better proposition. I'm glad you said that and not not me because otherwise it would have been eyes rolling Arsenal fan talking about Saliba and, and Genduzi but I tell you what uh I totally agree um obviously but Genduzi yeah really really impressive against uh, Angers and what a piece of business because they're they're you know I don't have the details of exactly what's been written into this contract but it's essentially um, Marseille will sign him in the summer. I think he had to play a certain number of games or whatever. They'll sign him for eight million euros. I mean, that is, you know, we're talking about the France under twenty one captain. He's going to be. He's in the France squad now. Brilliant business. But and Armel, just a, a quick word because I know you've uh, you're, you're you're a fan of um, fiery environments and atmospheres, and you enjoy going to the Marseille Galatasaray game. And you know the fans were back at the weekend throughout the uh, the country. Um, They'd uh, lifted the the restrictions. And Marseille, I would say, more than any other club, and Robbie's probably rolling his eyes now, but, you know, the logo, Duarte Bud, and the history of this football club is attacking. It's about attacking. It's not about getting a 1-0 win against Angers. It's about whopping them 5-2. And that, you know, and, and that's what the fans want to see. It, 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 what can I add to that, Matt? I, I believe that's totally right. And I just want Robbie to roll his eyes some more and some more. Because- <laughs> Did you see in the 60th minute when the PSG Ultras arrived in Lille, up in the stand? They waited an hour what? before coming into the game. Spectacular hey, sorry, arrival. Rob. The colour, the passion. Five Rob, we goals, talking about Marseille. The weight of the champ- talking about Marseille. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. What, sorry, can sorry. I, but can I ask, because I'm quite curious, why 
they, they just arrived in the second half, didn't they? The, the away fans. What was what was that about? Yeah, I think they'd been held up several times on the way to heading north, and uh, so they decided to wait in protest for for the way they perceive French fans have been treated. Um, over the years, travelling, how difficult it is to travel to away matches. So would make the point that uh, when you come into a game like that, in a situation like that, you can add colour and passion to uh, the spectacle, which they did. Interestingly yeah, enough, though, you, I, I mean, I, I didn't see that. I don't think TV made a big deal of it, did they? So unless you're out there, Matt, Matt You could hear it. That. It was spectacular oh, okay. when they arrived. Well, I know. I, I, I was at the game and I remember saying in the commentary, wow, the PSG fans are making a lot of noise and all this stuff. And then, yeah, somebody said to me after the game, it was weird. They weren't there in the first half. And I, I didn't, because they're quite high up in, in, in the corner at the Stade Pierre Mauroy. So I, I, I didn't notice. If I could just make a quick point, Matt, does that does that Marseille entertainment include going two nil down at home to Angers within eleven minutes, or is that is that just part of the fun? That's sad, Kalasnatch's addition. I wasn't Kalasnatch's <laughs> fault, to be fair, but um, yeah, no, I, I think to be honest, it is part of it. And you know, if he hadn't played Milik and Bakombu, and if he had an extra man in midfield, and maybe Luis Enrique. Uh, protecting Kalasanach a bit more. I, I, I don't know. Maybe we wouldn't have had that mental reaction and the fans, you know, cheering Marseille forward every time. And yeah, well, there you go. There you go. Um, that pretty much concludes the uh, the weekend wrap. I'll just bring you up to speed with other other scores. There were some massive results, actually. And uh, Saint-Etienne are unlucky that they didn't get... Uh, um, a shout out this week after their thrilling 3-1 win over Montpellier. Three goals in the last 10 minutes. Um, Ian Holyman, as well as writing off Presnel Kimpembe the other day, also wrote off Saint-Etienne, said they're as good as down. Ian, you're standing by that now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. I think it's really sad by you. They rose off the bottom briefly did they yesterday but they uh, did yes they yeah. did but then, and then Lo- yeah so- they, they came off the bottom and then Lorient and then Lorient went and won and uh, here's a name for you Sambu Sumano three goals in his last three games for Lorient still doesn't have his name on the back of his shirt made his first start yeah exactly made his first start yesterday netted again uh, against Lens um, who uh, lost need to watch themselves just a little bit. I mean, I, I don't mean in terms of getting into trouble, but uh, they're just sort of they're just sort of undoing the the good bit of work that they did in the first half of the season. They're out of the out of the um, out of the Coupe de France as well, uh, beaten four two at home by by Monaco, who were three 0 up before Lance decided to do anything about it. So they seem to have just run out of steam a little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, Sambu Sumano. That's, there's an name for you, 21-year-old, and uh, Andy, 18 months' time in Ivory Coast in the rain, he'll be playing for Senegal. And maybe he'll have his name on on his shirt. I was listening on, on the radio; they were saying, "Oh, they, you know, he scored another goal. Can they can, can they put his name now?" Because he because in France, I think it's if you haven't signed a professional contract yet, is that is that right? That yeah, you you have you wear number 33, 33 and, and um, above, with no name. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. It's like a seniority thing, but he will have his name soon, soon enough. One other team that absolutely needs to watch out, Bordeaux. They were trounced, absolutely trounced, 5-0 away to Rouse. That is an incredible scoreline. Hugo Eketike um, got his ninth of the season. Marshall Munetzi, the uh, Zimbabwean, got a couple of goals. Matsu Siwa and uh, Vutfes also, also scoring for Rouse. Um these are worrying times for Bordeaux. As far as the bottom of the table is concerned, Saint-Étienne have got 18 points. Just above them, Bordeaux, Metz and Lorient all have 20 points. So it's really tight. Trois have 21, Clermont 24. Um, so probably those six clubs, the clubs that, that need to worry. And Bordeaux uh, in particular, Petkovic, Vladimir Petkovic will be fearing for his job uh, this week. Just quickly, guys, we'll look ahead um, to... The next round, which commences on Friday, PSG against Rennes. Um, other big matches, two big ones on Saturday, Montpellier-Lille and uh, Lyon-Nice. The Sunday night clash is Mets against Marseille. We'll uh, have a quick bon voyage and we will decide where we want to go next weekend.
Um, I'm going to start with Robbie Thompson, who has a long trip to make from Sydney, Australia. Where do you fancy going, Robbie, next weekend? Well, I'll be going to the hardest place to get to then in all of in all of the French top flight if uh, if I'm coming all the way from Australia, which is of course Clermont. Very difficult place to get to, right in the dead centre of uh, of France. And just having said that Saint Etienne is sure to go down, it is actually a lot tighter than just that. You do have five teams that are all covered within within three points, but Clermont are not one of them. After a couple of rousing performances, when they they started so well, I, I really like their stadium. I like the fact that they're 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 busy. It's a great area where you can also get some fantastic cured hams from the centre of France there as well, up in the mountains. So do that on your way down. Um, and against Saint-Étienne, big match. If Duprat can get the result here, then then fair enough. I'll revise my, my opinion. Um, talking about local specialities, I had a frit fricadelle yesterday in, in Lille. And uh, next weekend, I will not be going back to the north of France to eat a frit fricadelle. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna go to Monaco um, because um, because David Crossan would have wanted me to go to Monaco. And actually, I, I know Ian talked about how difficult it was for him last weekend. DC loved loved Monaco. And actually, um, some of the first trips I did, Dave and I, we used to go to the Stade Louis de together, working for UEFA.com, um, and we had. We had some great times, absolutely great times. And uh, that Monaco side, 2003-04, we loved them and we loved working together. We also did that season Marseille and we had this routine um, pizza place we went to just near near the Velodrome. And likewise, it was a, a wonderful Marseille team to watch with Didier Drogba coming, coming through. And even when they thrashed Dave's Newcastle, now they didn't thrash them, but when Drogba sunk Newcastle, um, I think Dave... I don't know if he enjoyed it, but yeah, appreciated appreciated the uh, the evening. So I'm going to go to Monaco, who next weekend play Lorient, um, and they're pushing Monaco. They are up to four. No, no, they were fourth, but I think they've gone down. Um, sorry, Monaco are sixth, but very very tight. They're two points off fourth. Ian Holyman, uh, where do you fancy going next weekend? Leon Nice. Why not? I think it's uh, it's very very often forgotten that Christophe Galtier was assistant coach to. Alain Perrin, when Lyon won the double back in uh, 2008, their last uh, bit of uh, league success, and uh, Galtier going back there, and I think Nice have got a big, that's a big game, it's a big game for Peter Bosch, it's a very big game if he's still there, it's a very big game for Christophe Galtier, who will still be there, but um, that defeat to Clermont, very damaging, and uh, Lyon, wow, if you want if you want your pick of restaurants in Lyon, just, I mean, just close your eyes, spin around, point, and just head to the one that you're pointing at because you're not going to be disappointed. And a very good hot chocolate, I must say, as well, I've had in Leon. So, uh, no, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Well I didn't know that. Didn't know that. You learn a new thing every day. Andy Scott um, in Cameroon. Paul Bacuse making... is from Leon, isn't he? The famous, the famous Bacuse, French yeah. chef. Yeah. Yes. Now, Leon is the centre of gastronomie, you know, les bouchons. I never quite understood why these restaurants are called bouchons, les bouchons lyonnais. Maybe uh, one of our listeners Traffic can... Can it enlighten me? Yeah, uh, Andy Scott, you're you're making your your Ligue 1 comeback next weekend, and uh, you're yeah. going to see goals because Ligue 1 Uber Eats is all about goals this season. I know you've had a you know you've had a long ch- uh, African Cup of Nations final nil nil draw. Uh, where where, yeah. where do you fancy Andy for goals? <clears throat> uh, well, goals galore, Matt. Uh, no, I think um, I think given that I've been on the on the on the road here for the last month, I think I might I might stay in Paris. Uh, this coming weekend and head to the Parc des Princes <laughs> to see how to see how PSG are getting on uh, ahead of the Real Madrid game up against Rennes. That's a, that's going to be a very interesting game uh, in itself. Uh, what I'm not quite prepared for is how cold it's going to be. I'm speaking to my wife on the uh, on a video chat and she has this big you know big big warm jacket on. It's very hard to imagine how cold it must be there when when I'm in the, the sweltering tropical heat of Cameroon. But um, I'm going to listen. I'm going to go to Yaoundé Golf Club uh, in a little while and hit some golf balls because it's just down the road uh, and it's uh, it's really it's really been tempting me the last few days. So I'm going to get that out of my system, enjoy a bit of sunshine, and then head back to France, brace myself for the cold. Go to the party prance and get right back in there. And and I'll be jealous of you going to Monaco, by the way, because um yeah, just thinking about all these um 
all these trips down there and I can recall having, I think Ian Holyman might have been there, having a really nice, uh, there's a really good uh, Italian, isn't there, not far away from the Stade Louis on the way into the sort of centre of Monaco where the railway station is, which is where, where they've got lots of different shirts on the walls. And um, I, yeah, I remember going there with Dave um, one of the last times we were down there together to cover a Champions League game a few years ago now. And that was that was really enjoyable. So yeah, I hope, hope you get the chance to, to go there. I will um, I will pass on, on Monaco this week and um, I will, because it might be warm and sunny, you see, in Monaco. I might just get myself straight back in there to the cold of a Parisian winter. Andy, you're a bit, are you ever happy? Like you're a bit obsessed with someone from Scotland, like complaining about the cold of Paris. You, you're going to be okay, Andy. And you'll be <laughs> all right on your golf course as well in, in, in Yaoundé late, later today. Um, Armel Tanguy, uh, you're the last one. Where where do you fancy going? Well, I mean, I'm kind of hungry now after having spoken about all of these restaurants everywhere, pizzas in Monaco and hot chocolates in Lyon. So I'm going to go to Metz on Sunday night. So I've got time to get around France and try all the restaurants first. Metz Marseille is the Sunday night kickoff. Um, I'll see how Luis Enrique gets on. Um, see how Eric Millet gets on again. And, uh, and yeah, maybe have a quiche in Metz. Capital of Lorraine, Quiche Lorraine before the game, and and then pass. Is it out the capital, or is 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 Nancy the capital? Is it Metz the capital? Uh, ooh, ooh, it's true. I might. I just want you know because we do have listeners in Lorraine, and you know I don't want to let that slip if you've got it wrong. But uh, again, maybe our listeners can can enlighten us on that. Um, thank you, everybody, for for joining us. Thanks for bearing well bearing with us i don't know i i i think a lot of listeners out there um knew david cross and you know knew his voice and understand why why we're feeling um his loss so acutely and why we're you know why we're we're all so sad um and we're we're going to to leave you actually um in uh I think the right the right fashion. We're going to let Dave um, see see out the the podcast. Dave was a, a brilliant podcaster, brilliant journalist. Um, we've 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 said how dependable he is. I've been talking to people in in the last days, talking about how how they would just feel safe and happy and 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 contentedly listening to Dave when he when it when it when he was commentating, and he, he just had this reassuring voice. And in real life, he was just a a top top guy um dave was also a poet <laughs> he, he he wrote some amazing poems about about legal that, that he read out that were just um so funny and um kind of brought out dave's personality and and, and his wit as well so we're gonna we're gonna leave you with our favorite david cross and poem which uh was about legal uber eats he wrote this uh I think during the first confinement, so early in, in in 2020, he brought a lot of a lot of cheer to us during those difficult times, and hopefully to to you as well. It's a poem called Ligan Je Tem. Um, so from Ian Holyman, Robbie Thompson, Andy Scott, Armel Tangi, and me, Matt Spira, it's time to say goodbye. We will be back next week, um, but we're going to leave you in the very capable uh, hands, listening to the dulcet tones of the late David Crossan. Thank you, everybody. Ligue 1, je t'aime. Ligue 1, tu me manques. Sitting on my own at home, I have dreams of the velodrome, of nights filled with noise and wonder, and great saves by Mondonda, of flicks and tricks from Neymar, of Icardi scoring never from far. Ligue 1, I miss you while you're gone. I want to see goals scored by Mbai Nyong, and headed clearances by Hilton, the type of player Ligue 1 is built on. Sometimes your teams are bien en place, Right now, I'd just love to watch Toulouse play ass. To see Aouar star for Lyon so arty, another yellow card for Verratti. To fill my days with football talk and see a huge leap by Ajork, the big man winning a header. In Monaco, they're crazy for Ben Yedder. The sights, the sounds, the wonderful grounds, the joy of Le Foot in Lexagon, a sprint and finish from Kilian. Mbappe is hard to rhyme, and this poem is almost out of time. I really don't want to be a bore. I don't want to pick a fight with Andy Delore. But to him, I prefer Aussie men. Ligue 1, je t'aime.